All right, good morning, everybody. Hey, let, let me tell you something, that Elam, Elam, we don't do missions, we are missions, okay? And so I don't care if you're called to live overseas or live here, you need to figure that out with God. Hopefully this week it straightens out for you, but just understand, every single one of us is called to missions in some sort of way. Every single one of us is called to pray, to go on short-term trips, to give finances. So the Great Commission is not just for missionaries overseas, the Great Commission is for all believers. And when God created Elam, he created us very special. Turn to your neighbor and say, you look special. Some of y'all been waiting a long time to say that. But I'm telling you, Elam, the longer I stay in ministry, the more I realize how special this campus and this college is. Because there are many, many missions organizations. There are many, many Bible schools and ministry schools. There are many, many thousands of different places for you to go to study, for you to go out and serve in missions, to be a pastor. But there's something on this movement that's different than any other movement I've ever seen. Because there's something on us that when God created Elam, God said there's certain places of the world that I want you to go and minister. There's certain places that no other ministry, that no other organization, that no other school will actually be able to go to. I've created spaces for you as a movement, as a family to go into. And so I don't know what you thought you signed up for coming here for Bible school. If you're like, well, I need a year to figure it out. I need a year to get away from my family. I need a year. Like, whatever your reason is for being here, I'm telling you, you stumbled into something that is moving all around the world. Actively bringing the transformation of Jesus Christ and the transformation of the gospel all around the world. And now, you're not a bystander. You're an accomplice, okay? You're in the middle of an amazing move of God that started in 1924 and to this day is continuing to move forward. Now this map behind me, I was I was a school here. I was a school here from 03 to 06, and that that black banner actually covered up the map. And once in a while, we would peel it back and pray for the nations. But years ago, I forget what missions conference it was, we tore that sucker down. It was like the Soviet Union up in here. We were just like, rip it down. And it was, So I'm telling you, just as this map is open now to us, understand that it's open to you. That God is doing something new in this day that you can go anywhere and serve God. You can be here in the States. You can go to the farthest place in the world. But it's actually possible for you to go to the nations. And it's possible for you to go not just by yourself as a seed in a random country. It's possible to go with a team. It's possible to go with a prayer team. It's possible to go with people that are backing you and running alongside of you. You see, in the past few years, COVID has done many, many things that has complicated missions. But I'm telling you, God has used this past season to bring about a few diamonds in the rough. God has been doing something behind the scenes to unify organizations and to bring a collective collaboration to see the gospel advance. And Elam, you're a part of it. EBINC, this campus, Elam Fellowship. Elam, we are a part of seeing God do something amazing here on the earth. Now, over the past uh, couple of days, you've heard a lot of people talk about the Gateway Project. And the Gateway Project was something born from Elam, but now it's seven organizations working together to send teams to the least reached areas of the world. 
See, the Gateway Project is about reaching gateway cities. And in these gateway cities, these are the most strategic, largest cities around the unreached, all these unreached people groups. The goal is to send teams into these gateway cities that will equip local churches, do local outreach, and see revival spread to the remaining unreached people groups. So I have, I have a quick, uh, just a 60-second promo video, if you could fire that right now, that explains a little bit more of the vision of the Gateway Project. While it may seem the world is in total chaos, we believe God is setting us up for one of the greatest global harvests we've ever seen. The Gateway Project is a movement of churches, ministry schools, organizations, and individuals uniting together to reach the most strategic, least-reached cities on the earth today. The Gateway Project is sending teams with a heart of revival to 100 strategic cities. We believe these 100 gateway cities are the door to the least reached, the tribes, the tongues, and peoples that are still waiting for the good news of Jesus. The Great Commission needs a great collaboration. We are proclaiming, lift up your heads, O you gates, and lift them up, O ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord of hosts. He is the King of glory. So we just had a team, our first team ever, launch in June in Bangkok, Thailand. Bangkok is going to be our training base that we send future teams into to be, to be trained and then sent into their gateway city. So those amazing families up here from Morocco, they're getting ready to later this year, uh, later next year, sorry, travel into Bangkok, be trained, and then sent to their city. We're going we're, we're to start a house of prayer in Bangkok. We're going to have short-term uh, trip availabilities. We're going to have internships. We believe God is doing something around the earth, stirring us up, the global church, for such a time as this, to work together. I'm telling you, like, do you guys know NFL football? Does anyone know what that is? I'm a Giants fan, so we actually like football this year, okay? Like, God is doing something. If you're looking for a sign of the end times, the Giants have a winning record, okay? That's God. Jesus is coming back soon. But, like, if you know anything about football, there's something called the red zone. And the red zone is like the last 20 yards of a football field where a team is trying to score. And friends, the 1040 window is the red zone of the earth. It is the place where, where the enemy has the strongest footholds, the base of Buddhism, Hinduism, Muslim. It's like the base and strongholds of all these religions, places that the enemy's had under his grip for all these thousands of years. Now we're starting to press on the red zone. The enemy gives you the greatest resistance when you're getting closest to his favorite territory. And friends, that's why I said Elam is special. Because at Elam, we do the things that no one else wants to do. The, the ministry that's too hard and others say, mm, let's go over to this place. It's a little bit easier. Elam, we run towards the place that no one else wants to go. And that's what the Gateway Project is all about. The Gateway Project is about uniting the church, uniting missions organizations, uniting movements together for such a time as this to finish the great commission. Right now, there's five families dedicated in Bangkok, Thailand for that base there. Um, together, stateside and overseas, it's like 30 plus people that are administrators, finance, recruiting, oversight, training. The Gateway Project has launched during COVID and it's become like this amazing, another organization that is just completely uniting the bride of Christ in this hour, but also moving forward in a unified way to see the gospel move forward. Um, 
we do, like I said before, we have multiple short-term trips planned. We have internships that are over there. All of that is, is under works. But if you're interested, I would really encourage you to talk to Matt, Richie, talk to the Shetlers, sit down with them and say, tell me more about Morocco. Tell me more about the Gateway Project and what's happening there. Um, before I jump in, I need to show you, though, can you throw up the, the Elliot picture one? This is all that matters in my life. That's our team on the ground there. You can go to the next slide. That's Morocco. With, I spelled it with two R's before, but it's two C's. And they go, this is all that matters, this next picture. That's our little foster boy, Elliot. He's been with us since uh, the end of May. And uh, he is like everything in our world right now. And so this is my mission field, okay? I still go to the nations. I still travel. But uh, my wife and I have been raising up this little guy for the past months, and it's been absolutely fantastic. And uh, Elliot, his name's Elliot. Elliot and I play a little game together, and it's called Find the Martyr. And so there it is. It's you. Okay, good. Um, <laughs> Elliot, we also play a game called Find Out Who's Not Turning in Their Papers on Time. Oh, look, it's you. Okay, cool. I wanted to flash a picture of Jeremy Graves up there, but I didn't have the time to pop it up there. <laughs> but what I, feel, what I feel on my heart to communicate with you this morning is simply this, is that while we're talking about missions, sometimes you can get lost in the grandiose, great vision that God has in front of you. Some of you are going to spend time at this altar of this next week seeking God, saying, God, what does it look like for the next years? God, what am I supposed to do with my life? God, are the nations for me? And those are all beautiful questions. Those are all things that you need to ask and do business with God about. But what I'm here to talk to you this morning about is that God is not interested in all of your talk, but God is interested in your walk. God is not interested in these big declarations of, I'm going to see Africa saved. Okay, that's great. You do you, boo-boo. You realize Africa is a continent, not a country, okay? Like, you go save all of Africa. Like, there's no missionaries there. Like, you go do your thing. But listen, God's not looking for that. What changes the world are people just like you and I that go step after step after step. That's how the world has changed. The world has changed not by these big, massive moments and these big declarations of vision. The world has changed by people just like you and me taking a, a simple step of obedience to whatever God has in front of them. And if you do that for the rest of your life, I was just talking to Sister Sylvia Evans yesterday. She said, what are you preaching about, Alex? I said, what I'm talking about is the thing that's going to change the world, the things that this generation can do, isn't the big declarations, it's the small steps. And Sister Sylvia looks at me and she says, Alex, I've been taking those small steps my whole life. And there's so many to go. Listen, all throughout the Bible, we see Jesus having conversations with people and telling stories, saying this very thing. Jesus is trying to communicate. It's not about how loud you can be. It's not about how you can flaunt your surrender in front of people. It's about what are you going to do after the, the service is over? What are you going to do after you get up from the altar? Will you actually take a step forward? In Matthew 21, verses 28 through 31, Jesus tells the parable. It's the parable of the two sons. And if, uh, if we could put that up. I don't, I, don't have my, I don't know where my Bible is, so I don't have my Bible. Could you fire that slide real quick? Matthew 21, 28 through 31. You can't? Okay, can someone come up on stage and read that scripture? Who has a Bible? You, young man. Yes, with a beautiful shirt on. So Matthew 21, verses 28 through 31. You get five missions points, by the way. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, no one else has points. You do now. Five, so... 28 through 31. 28 through 31. All right. What do you think? A man had two sons, and he went to the first and said, Son, go and work in the vineyard today. 
And he answered, I will not. But afterward, he changed his mind and went. And he went to the other son and said the same. And he answered, I go, sir. But he did not, but did not go. Which of the two did the will of the father? They said the first. Jesus said, oh, should I finish? You're good there. Thanks, bro. Thanks, man. Five points. Are you in Gryffindor? Which one are you in? Sorry. Okay. Um, listen, Jesus is sharing a story. And Jesus is saying, listen, there's two sons that are in the field. And Jesus, the, the father, the farmer, comes to the first and says, hey, I want you to go to work. He goes, I ain't going to do that. He has this whole attitude. I'm not going to go to the nations. I'm not going to work in the field. But later on, he actually does it. He has a front of saying no, but then he actually goes and actually does what the father asks. And then the second son comes. The father says, work in my field. And it's all talk. Yes. Yes, I'll do it. Whatever you want, Father. Whatever you say, I'm going to do it. And then later on, he actually doesn't do it. Then Jesus poses the question, who did the will of the Father? And everybody listening, he's talking to Sadducees and Pharisees and people, Christian leaders of the day. Everybody says, the first did. And friends, we're living in a day and age. We have to understand that Jesus doesn't want our talk. He wants our walk. Jesus is tired of listening to generations of Christians and generations of people at the altar declaring things that they never follow through with. I'm wondering if this is a generation, your generation, that will not only say, God, here I am, but will also then follow it and do exactly what God is asking them to do. What's going to change the world? Not people talking about changing the world. People actually taking the step. Even though your resistance and your heart might first be like, oh, I'm not sure if I can do that. I'm not sure if I'm the right person. I'm not sure if I can lay down my life in that way. Even if your first response is a little bit resistant, understand God says, I want you to walk. I want you to stay faithful. I want you to move forward. All throughout the scripture, we see this pattern. There's the parable of the talents where Jesus talks about giving money to people. And the guy who had one talent, he didn't do what the master told him to do, which was to grow his account. Even, he said, even if you would just like, just like give it somewhere and it gets a small return, at least that would be something that would, I would be happy about. But the guy who gets the one talent does not obey the, the master, does not follow through. Jesus also says this in John 10, my sheep hear my voice and follow me. This is what the Slishers talked about yesterday, Matt and Stephanie. He who hears my voice follows me. He doesn't just want you to hear his voice and encounter his presence and sing some kumbaya and have a great Bible school experience. He actually wants you to take a step and move forward. John 15, he says this, if you love me, obey me. Whoa, Jesus, easy, man. You're going to get canceled. You can't say the O word, obey. You can't do that. But Jesus was all about helping people around him, saying, don't tickle my ears with everything you're going to do for me, everything you're going to do for the nations, all the ways you're going to serve me. Actually do it. And friends, if we actually do, if everybody in this room would take ownership of what God is speaking to them and actually do it. Friends, we don't need thousands and thousands and thousands of missionaries and pastors and leaders. This room alone, we can do it. 
if everybody in this room would say, I'm taking ownership of what God has for me on my life, what he's speaking to me, I'm not going to pass it off, I'm not going to make excuses, I'm going to make history. And the way you make history is not trying to do it all at one time, it's just simply doing the next thing that God's speaking to you. Don't try to do everything that he's saying to you in this moment. This week is going to blow your mind. Don't try to figure it all out. Just do the next thing. And the next thing might be like sending uh, Pastor Matt an email. I'm not sure what they call people here these days. Brother Matt, Pastor Matt. Let's call him Father Matt, okay? For like, like email Matt and just be like, hey, can we start doing a monthly lunch together? I just want to share stuff that I'm, like that might be your next step. Your next step might just be like, I'm not sure if I'm ready to buy a plane ticket, but I don't even have a passport. I, if you don't have a passport and you feel God calling you the nations, what are you doing? That means it's all talk. It's time to put some walk with our talk. At the end of Luke 9, three people come up to Jesus after the service that he just did, like every pastor experiences. Three people come up, and, uh, and Jesus says uh, to the first one, the first guy comes up to him and goes, hey, Jesus, I'll follow you. I'll do it. I I'm your guy. And Jesus goes through and gives them like some sort of strange limerick of like the birds of the air don't have nests. And like, you know, what, what, is it? what Jesus is communicating is I'm homeless. He's like, the foxes have dens, the birds of the air have nests. I don't even have a place to lay my head. And the guy's like, oh, okay, I, I guess I'm not going to follow you. Like, Jesus is, what, the guy is all talk. I'll follow you. Then another guy shouts, I'll follow you, Jesus. I'll do it. Like, he's trying to, like, one-up the guy. And Jesus simply replies to him, like, okay, if you want to follow me, follow me. And then the guy goes like, oh, but first let me, actually, no, I, let me bury my father first. And then I'll follow you. What I love to picture, this is not in the Bible, I love picturing the guy's father's like right there, like totally healthy. He's like, what the heck? It's like, yeah, my dad's got COVID-13, the first strain. It's bad. It's bad. It's like the, uh, I forget the movie right now. Is it uh, the quest for the Holy Grail? I'm not dead yet. Does anyone know that? If you know that, you're my friend, okay? Like, I love picture like that situation, like, you do not need to go and bury your father. He's fully alive. So what you're saying is, I need to wait 20 years, Lord Jesus. I need to buy my house first. I need to find my spouse first. I, need, I have all these things I need to do, and then I'll do what you say. And Jesus says, no, no, no. No, 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 no. Finally, the third person, Jesus is like, will you follow me? And he's like, yeah, I will, Jesus, but let me go say goodbye to the people at my house. Everyone knows, that guy didn't have any friends, okay? Like, everyone knows like this, I don't, know, I don't know if there's a Greg in here. I'm sorry if your name's Greg. But it's like, everyone knows Greg didn't have any friends. He's just making excuses. Jesus is saying, will you follow me? Will you take one step? Will you walk where your talk is saying? Will they line up? And no one could do it. No one could say yes to Jesus in that moment. Now, what I want to say also is this, is that we complicate it so much because we're young and our brains are maturing, and we have all the vision and excitement and all these opportunities. So it can get very, very, very complicated. That's why I'm trying to just over-communicate right now by saying, don't try to do the whole thing, do the next thing. Don't try to figure it all out. Because understand this, that God gives vision by the mile, but he gives you instructions by the inch. So while you're at the altar, see the picture of the nations. See the Bible school you're going to start overseas. See the churches you're going to plant. Get overwhelmed by the beautiful vision that God has for you. But then come back from that and look at your feet and say, what can I do today, though? If you're still struggling with sin issues, listen, ministry and missions 
doesn't solve your sin. It multiplies your sin. Like, it gets worse overseas. Paul Johansson, a father among us and was the president of this school, says this, missions will pulverize you. Like, there's there's no, like, pixie dust that spreads on you on the flight over. You land and you're jet lagged and your feet are swollen and you smell weird. And guess what? The enemy wants to get you right in the beginning. So listen, some of you guys, your first step from this, the big vision God has for you, some of you in this room, you need to start sharing with others what you're going through. You need to get something, it's not a swear word, professional counseling. You need to, you need to talk to someone and say, I am struggling with this area, I've been struggling with this area, and I don't want to trip me up down the road, I want to do it today. What's going to change the world? That's going to change the world. I don't, listen, I hear crazy vision all day, okay? I hear, I have people calling me, I get emails, I get people showing up at my office. I, I hear crazy visions all day. The only thing I care about right now is what will you do today and tomorrow morning? How will you walk it out? Take it inch by inch and understand over the long haul, that's how the world has changed. I'm talking about the micro and the macro. Macro is this like, God, what can, okay, I see a vision of the future. It was right here, right where my, where my guy right here, with your arms like that. I was sitting right there in 2004. Was anyone born in 2004? I don't like that. Stop it. You're all, minus five for all of you, okay? <laughs> I am giving out points, negative missions points, okay? I was sitting right where you were, when Brother Ben Doddsweight in 2004 stands up here on Missions Week. How dare you, Brother Ben? Stands up on Missions Week, and he tells everybody to sit down. And then he says, we're going to ask the Holy Spirit for a nation. And when God gives you a nation, I want you to stand up and say it in front of everybody. And so I know there's a Canadian here. I'm sorry. Where's our Canadian friend? Are there a couple of them? I love you. I love you, Canadian friends. So, of course, there was someone from Canada there. They stand up first. They're like, Canada. It's like, oh, come on, man. It's so token Canada, man. It's like, okay. Then someone stands up and says, like, the guy who's like, no, we need missionaries in America. He was like, USA, USA. Like, okay. There's all these people doing this. And after a while, there's a lull. People are saying in nations, India. They're saying Indonesia. Like, there's awesome nations. All of a sudden, in my heart, God starts stirring up. China. You have to understand, I'm not, I, I, I just, we just got back from NISM. I just quit smoking cigarettes at NISM. Yeah, I went to a different school than y'all did, okay? <laughs> like, my life was slowly, my life was slowly getting on track. Not taking, I was in, the, I was in a, a Brother Dick's music classes, and I was taking some youth ministry classes. Missions was never on my mind ever. But then in that, in that, time, Brother Ben, God spoke to me, China. And I stood up, and I said, China. And everyone around me laughed. All my friends laughed. They were just like, ah! Like, they were laughing. They were like, let's get him some chopsticks. Like, they were having their way with it. And so I, I, I moved forward with my, I moved forward with my, uh, with my, with my schooling. And then God speaks to me again that summer, the summer between my junior and senior year. I was there for three years. But between my second and third year, God speaks to me again in the summertime. He says, Alex, I'm calling you. Would you give a year overseas? I'm calling you to go to the nations. I've never really met any missionaries from China. I didn't know anything about Campus Target at the time. wasn't even a thing. So it was like I just felt God stirring something in my heart. And then I was able to go to China in 2006. And then I served for 12 years to China. 
How crazy? Now that's macro. That's like, how do you get from I'm sitting there having nicotine withdrawal symptoms, standing up saying China, how do I get there to now where I'm like the global ministries director? How does that happen from 04 to 2022? Well, we rigged the elections. I'm joking. Um, <laughs> I voted myself in. No. Listen, listen, the way that's a, that's a macro story, but in the middle of that grandiose story from 2004 when I'm sitting here to where I am now are thousands and thousands and thousands of me like this. And that's one month of ministry. That was a tough year. Like that, it's like, th this is not in my radar to do what I'm doing. This is not like I had some sort of vision board and being the global director. No, 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 no. Here's my vision board. Jesus, win your reward. And whatever I need to do to do that, help me to have the strength and the stamina and the energy to do whatever you call me to do. On the micro level, it's like this. I have a friend, his name, his name is Brad McCoy. He wrote a book about discipleship and the church and how we need a revolution. Stephen Baldwin, who is uh, Justin and Haley Bieber's, uh, Justin Bieber's father-in-law. Not Al Alec Baldwin's the guy that shot a guy. This is his brother. He's saved. Stephen Baldwin's saved. He doesn't shoot people. He's awesome. But uh, Stephen Baldwin got a hold of the book out in L.A. and calls my friend Brad and goes, can I fly you out to L.A. to like, talk about this. This is changing my life right now. I've been actually talking to my friends and pastors saying, we need this very thing in the States. We need this right here. So my friend Brad flies out, sits down with Stephen Baldwin, goes into their mansion. Justin and Haley are sitting right there, just hanging out. And so he meets them, he hangs out. Then he just starts this relationship with Stephen Baldwin and his wife for a year. After a year goes by, uh, Stephen, and, Stephen and his wife actually fly out to where Brad is. And they fly out. He's in Pennsylvania. They fly out there. They're hanging out. All along this year, um, Brad, Brad has a daughter. And his daughter obviously knows who Justin Bieber is. She starts a prayer journal for Justin. And she starts praying and prophesying, getting words of knowledge over Justin and Haley. And she's just writing them down in her journal. Well, on that trip, when Stephen and his wife were in Pennsylvania, on that trip, they're in this big meeting with all these pastors. They're talking about the book and ways to implement it. In, in this meeting, Stephen gets a phone call, and it's Haley Bieber on the phone weeping uncontrollably. And you can hear, it's like one of those phone calls. It's like not on speakerphone. You can hear it through the phone, Haley yelling, Dad, he's doing it again. Dad, he's doing it again. Dad, he's doing it again. It's like this major issue. So here, Bieber was, was on the floor in the fetal position, weeping his eyes out. His stress and his anxiety and whatever else was plaguing him years ago. When I, if you read the tabloids and follow the news, you know he has his, like, his ups and downs. He was in the middle of like a major, major episode. Stephen's praying for him. They're trying to talk. Stephen's wife gets on the phone. They're trying to talk to Justin. He won't talk to anybody. Finally, Brad's daughter goes up to Stephen Baldwin and goes, hey, is it okay if I talk to Justin? And can I pray over him? And Stephen's like, well, let me ask Haley. So Haley gives the phone to Justin. Justin's on the phone, writhing in pain, sobbing uncontrollably. And Justin just says, hello. And my friend's daughter starts prophesying the word of God over him. She starts giving him words of knowledge about stuff going on in his life. 
And on the phone, he's going, how do you know this? Who told you this? Was this on TMZ? How would, how would anybody understand this about my life and choices? And right there, my friend's daughter led Justin Bieber, not only in a fresh rededication of his life to the Lord, but instant transformation and deliverance of all the things that were plaguing him. You see, that's the micro game. The micro game is, I'm going to start a Justin Bieber diary, like many of you are thinking now. Okay, like, I found my wife's the other day. Stop it. Um, but, like, like, that's like a, that's like a micro, like, I'm going to start praying and believing and prophesying and doing something faithful in the micro. Listen, if you live for big moments, you've missed the entire point of missions in the gospel. If you're like, I'm going to start a journal so I can call Justin one day and let him know. No, 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 no. You start doing what God has called you to do. You take a step, and then you take a step, not for the end result. The end result is in God's hands. You start taking a step after step after step because that's what God is speaking to you. You see, what will change the world is not this loud declaration of surrender, but a quiet, reserved act of simple obedience. Just taking a small step, and then taking a small step, and then taking a small step. Jesus is tired of our talk. Jesus is tired of people saying, I'm going to lay down everything and follow you. I'm going to go. He's tired of that. All he wants is for men and women of God that have all the heart to see the world change. He's looking for one simple step. Now, friends, I have good news, and the good news is simply this, is that the Great Commission is completely impossible to fulfill. The good news is that everything we're talking about this week cannot happen in our own strength. If you think you can do it, you need to wait a little bit longer, okay? You need to, you need to, you need to wait in the presence of God until the, the, the enormity and the, 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 like, the, the, the mass of the harvest that is overwhelming and it, it is it's totally not able to happen. You need to wait for that moment to hit you for you to step in in a fresh way. Completely zapped of your own strength. Completely zapped of your own chutzpah from the big vision. That's what will change the world. In missions today, I'm telling you, the greatest need that we have are not people with this amazing website and vision and telling me all their plans. We don't need that. We have enough of that. What we need are people that are so consumed with all of Jesus, that understand what we're doing is like impossible, like to see nations completely change and people like the Meow people who I've been able to actually spend time with and be in their church, like to see them transform, to bring that transformation. It's totally not possible outside of a people that are humble and broken and not trying to do it all at one time, but taking it step by step by step.